1: Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, August 27th, and as we sit here before you, we are about seven and a half weeks away from the start of the 2021 22 NBA regular season. And with that in mind, today we are going to be answering six burning questions, fantasy questions, for the month of August. We have that coming up for you in just a second.
2: Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot.
1: As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live with us on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knauss and Raphael Johnson. Guys, we'll get to burning fantasy questions in just a minute, but we begin the show with what I consider some big news. Ryan, I found the Lou Dort t-shirt. Did you really? Well, I should say I found a hack to make it happen. So... Okay. When you go, I just decided today, I was kind of feeling bad that I hadn't gotten you on everyone. If you don't know, Ryan and I had an over-under bet on Lou Dort season-long points, 14 and a half. Was that what it was? Somewhere around there. The most random number we settled on. I think he ended up at like 14.2 or something ridiculous like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. His late binge, had he not been benched by the tanking thunder, he definitely would have beaten it, but whatever. Ryan won the bet. I owe him a Dort t-shirt jersey, also known as a shirzy as we talked about, those have been kind of hard to find, but you go to the NBA page and I was just like, I'll just customize one because you can customize them. So I'll just put Dort on the back for Ryan. And, Ooh. but then I saw a dropdown thing and it says choose player. So you just pick, I just picked Dort and there it is. Simple
3: really? Simple as that.
1: Yeah. Now it'll be like the style that Steve got of the Michael Porter Jr. one from RAF. Right, which I saw. That's, that works. You know, down the back kind of thing. It won't look exactly like a jersey replica. But yeah. pretty exciting Friday, and I know Raf's fired up. Raf, you're pumped, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I'm dealing <laughs> with some issue. Okay, there we are. We're back. But Show yeah, I issues. when you said big news, like for a split yeah. second, I really thought you were going to bring something up about Cristiano Ronaldo heading back to <laughs> Manchester United. But I think the Lou, well, Gort, Lou Dort <laughs> jersey news is a bit bigger, so.
1: Yeah, I would put that second. Like that would yeah. be second, and like the big on a big news morning.
5: Probably third would be the news that literally broke as you were saying it, Matt, which is that Larry Markkinen, uh is headed to Cleveland, I believe, according to Woj. Whoa! This oh. this literally just happened while you were speaking. Cleveland is acquiring Chicago restricted free agent Larry Markkinen on a four year, sixty seven million dollar deal in a sign and trade. No word on what the Bulls are extracting. Uh, but, yep, that's straight from Woj. So, not wow. to overshadow the the Dort jersey news, which just to, you know, confirm, I am very excited about that. But, yeah, wow. Markkanen to Cleveland. So, any initial thoughts there? I
1: mean, Kevin Love may not play a minute this season. First of all, Cristiano Ronaldo now a distant third in the news rankings of the morning. <laughs> I think I put, I still put Dort first, I'd say. That's still the big one for me. But Markkanen jumps to second, at least in our priorities, so let's think about this. Marketing in, we know we know Kevin Love is obviously on his last legs, quite literally, in the NBA. That's a decent amount of money. So what are we? Oh, oh Evan Mobley. That's not good for Evan Mobley at all, Raph. No, no, that.
4: Yeah, because you you know you signed Jared Allen to a hundred million dollar deal. Yeah. You draft Evan Mobley. I think the conventional wisdom was that those two would play alongside each other. Right Now you add Lowry marketing on a $67 million deal, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know anyone who pays that kind of money to a guy that hasn't been <laughs> on the bench. So you've got him. Obviously, Kevin Love's situation needs to be sorted out. Same with Larry Nance Jr. and Chetty Osman. I don't think putting those veterans on a bench will be too much of an issue for Cleveland. But the question is, how is it going to impact your locker room? Then also... Isaac Okoro is another guy I'd be watching here, too, because they played him a lot of the three last season because of the presence of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I'd prefer to see Okoro at the two and, you know, to help him offensively, but you bring in marketing, maybe that will push that forward, but I don't know. I, outside of when they've had LeBron James, I've been really confused as to what Cleveland's been doing most of these years, so I, I really don't know what they're on about this. <laughs>
5: I'll, uh, I'll second what Raph just said about being confused by the game plan here. Now, uh, according to Woj and Shams, uh, we yeah. have Larry Nance Jr. headed to Portland. Okay. So that, that clears a bit of that log, uh, mm-hmm. log jam in the front court. Mm-hmm. But to your point, with Evan Mobley there and Isaac Okoro likely to get small forward minutes, it almost feels like another move needs to happen for this to make sense. Uh, Markin and throughout his career, I mean, primarily power forward. And if the Cavs were looking at, you know, drafting Mobley and then inking Jared Allen to that massive extension, you figured, okay, the, this is the front court they envision. They're convinced that Mobley can defend stretch fours, et cetera, uh, and develop his own jumper to become a, a compelling stretch four in his own. Now you have Markin and in there, very confusing. You mentioned the the bench yeah. aspect, Raf. He did Mark and that is did come off the bench, and I believe mm-hmm. almost half of his games last year, exactly yeah. half. Um, so it's not impossible that they would do that, but right to pay him this amount of money, a young guy who you'd be taking a bet on as a franchise pillar potentially going forward, but he'll need to make huge strides to get there. I don't, I don't like it in reality necessarily, and I definitely don't like it in fantasy.
4: Yeah,
1: and. According to Shams, Derek Jones Jr., and there's draft picks involved, Derek Jones Jr. to Chicago and will be a three-team deal. So that doesn't really have a fantasy impact, I don't think, obviously. but I do like
4: Nance in Portland, though. I think he'll be a better version of what they hoped Derek Jones would have been for them last season. So Mm. Uh I don't think it'll make a huge dent fantasy-wise, but in terms of their rotation and and what they're trying to do to keep Damian Lillard happy— and put together a potential contender. I think Larry Nance Jr. is a better fit for Portland. It's not like a groundbreaking move by any stretch, but I think this, their rotation got a little bit better with this move. I think.
5: I'm a little, I, I might even have a little Nance interest in fantasy suddenly because he joins a front court that isn't very deep uh, behind yeah. Nurk who has his own injury history, obviously. There's Harry Giles and Cody Zeller, both of whom Nance is superior to, I would say. Uh, and at power forward, they have, I think, Rondé Hallis-Jefferson's under contract, and uh, Nas Little, potentially. So mm-hmm. really, not much depth, is, is my point. Uh, so if Nance, year. as we've seen in the past, especially for Roto, only really needs like 25 minutes to get it done. So mm-hmm. uh, suddenly just jumped a couple rounds in my dropboard. board. Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, Steve Alexander, who couldn't be here today, texted me that this trade was going down, and (laughs) and then said, "Did you credit me with the assist?" So I, I didn't have the heart to tell him, Ryan, that you had already scored the bucket uh, unassisted. Okay. So I just told him, "Yeah, we're on it. Like, great job, and let's just leave it at that." Nice job, Steve. Passify him. (laughs) No, very, very, very nice of him to think of us, though. I just I can't actually give him an assist.
4: It's appreciated.
1: (laughs) yeah exactly he gets an assistant spirit honorary assist for steve alexander on that one all right so as i mentioned we have six burning fantasy questions for the month of august uh we've each brought two to the table and we're going to go around the room here and ask them and attempt to answer them so Raph, why don't you get us started with your first of two burning fantasy questions for august i think
4: my first question is you know with the uncertainty surrounding ben simmons um How should fantasy managers look at him with regard to draft value? Like where should they be potentially looking to pick him in drafts coming up here?
1: Ryan, go ahead first on this one. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I,
5: I would say that the uncertainty definitely hurts him. Uh, simply, I don't know. It's tough because Philly wants a huge amount of value in return for him. Teams aren't necessarily willing to give that up. Uh, so, it's sort of this strange stalemate where we enter this season with him as an obvious trade candidate, but we don't know if, when mm-hmm. does that reach a point that stalemate where he's sitting games right now, it's kind of hard to see that happening because Philly still wants to win during the regular season. But yeah, it's not, it's not a comfortable situation, especially when you're drafting a guy whose confidence was just completely shook in the postseason. season. Uh, not to say he can't get over that, but also a player with such huge fantasy deficits already Now you add the uncertainty of his whereabouts on top of that. So it's tough for me. And unless you're doing a punt free throw build, uh, I just recommend avoiding
1: it entirely. I welcome the uncertainty on one level because he just needs a change of scenery so badly. I mean, even before the playoff meltdown, he had taken a hit under Doc Rivers. He went from basically 16 points, 8 boards, 8 assists, to like 14, seven, and 7. And that sounds like a small drop-off. But when you're talking about a guy who hurts you in free throws, hurts you in turnovers. Remember, he's basically three and a half turnovers a game in his career, which is a huge number. Mm -hmm. Doesn't hit threes. doesn't really get a lot of blocks either. I mean, there are only so many categories where Ben Simmons can actually help you. He can't afford to take a hit there. And I, and I don't see a better, obviously blueprint for him if he stays in Philly. So I would just be hoping for literally anywhere else when it comes to fantasy. But even so, I mean, he was around a hundredth overall in nine category leagues last season. I, I don't see a path to anything better than that if he's in Philly, and therefore I just don't see how I'm going to get him in fantasy in any scenario because I think Ben Simmons is still, because he's Ben Simmons, is going to go earlier than that. You know what I mean, Raf?
4: Yeah. Yeah, he's been a top 50 player just once in the last four seasons in 9-cat. That was the uh, 2019-20 season. He finished 36. Last year, you removed the turnovers. He still wasn't top 50 in 8-cat. So hmm. I think... Personally, I would let him slip out of the top 50, you know, as you as you Mm -hmm. said, right, Matt, with in terms of name recognition, he's a guy that someone's probably going to reach for. I just prefer not to be me. So I think I'm going to let him go outside of the top 50, you know, 60 or so. Then you start thinking about potentially grabbing him. But top 50 for me is a bit too early to take a guy where you're essentially going to be punting a category from jump.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he can some, again, if he somehow ends up somewhere else, I think it's a whole new conversation. And especially if he goes to an environment where he can really be a focal point and, and he gets a fresh start with a coach. who just says, just be yourself. I don't care how many free throws you miss that kind of thing. (laughs) Then I think we have a new conversation, but right now way things are in Philly. Like you said, Ryan, this is a team that is trying to win. I just don't see a scenario where he comes back and is like, you know what? I'm just going to be a dynamo this year. It seems like they're going to just kind of try to hide him more almost.
5: I also have a slight concern with him moving to another team. On the one hand, yes, any team that trades for him is going to want to feature him and get him out there, get the ball in his hands plenty. But also, how, let's say he went to, let's say, I think the Wolves have, there's been a lot of heat of them pursuing yeah. Ben Simmons. If he ends up there, no matter who's around him, how does Ben Simmons look in a midseason situation where he's suddenly adjusting to a new coach, new teammates, and vice versa? They're all figuring out how do we play with a point guard who can't shoot and a guy who, you know, such unique <laughs> skill set. Y- yeah, well, you would think that you need an entire training camp and preseason to sort of grease the the rails for this as opposed to just dropping him in the middle of a new team and saying, hey, go be a 18 point scorer with eight dimes, etc." So that, uh, again, gives me pause. His That adjustment period seems like it would be heightened for a guy like Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of Minnesota, Ryan, I think your first question takes us directly there. So uh, let's have it. The master of
5: segues, Matt Straub. Very good. Um, yeah, so I wanted to ask about Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, this, you know, as fantasy managers know well he missed zero games in his first three NBA seasons had five DMPs in 2018-19. Since then, however, 37 games in 2020 and 22 games this year, again in a shortened season. Uh, he also last season committed a career-high 3.2 turnovers, shot a career-low 48.6% from the field, and saw dips in his scoring three-pointers, rebounds, steals, and blocks compared to the year prior. So fellas, what do you make of of Cat's trajectory? He's he's been a number one overall cumulative fantasy player in the past. Obviously, he's still twenty five years old. So, wh- where do we fall on him? I mean, is he suddenly an injury risk? Do you do you believe that he can get back to being an Iron Man? What do you make of it?
4: I, I think it's a good question, but I think it's one where we have to consider some other variables at play here. Now, I think we could have an entirely separate podcast episode on the things that Carl Anthony Towns had to deal with last season in terms of the passing of his mother and multiple family members due to COVID-19. Then also his own issues in terms of injuries. I think he may have been out for a bit for quarantine reasons as well. So I don't really, I kind of give him a mulligan fantasy wise in terms of last season, just because of those factors. I personally still think he's a top 10 player. I know he had injury issues even before last season, I think he's a top 10 guy. If anything, it may adjust my thinking on someone like a a Jaden McDaniels or even a Nas Reed in terms of maybe taking a reach on them later in the draft just to make sure I kind of cover myself in case Towns misses an extended period of time due to injury. But I'm not losing too much sleep over his fantasy value. I just think last year was a really tough year where we can't really put too much weight onto that in terms of his future fantasy value.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar uh, situation to Raf when I look at this one. Carl Anthony Towns was 12th on a per-game basis last year and really 11th if you don't count the brief explosion from Kyrie Thomas in Houston at the end of last year. He jumped into the top 10 of per-game fantasy rankings. I mean, when I think about the guys I would probably take ahead of Towns, I mean, Jokic, in no particular order, it's probably Jokic, Curry, Harden, Giannis probably, maybe Lillard, maybe Durant, but I mean for me he's he falls right into that you know 7 8 maybe even 6 in some cases spot and as you said Ryan he's still only 25 a big factor for me is he was healthy at the end of the season playing in totally meaningless games for the wolves so it's not mm-hmm. like the thing where he ended last season injured that would be a little more worrisome to me and i'm not ready to call him injury prone or anything like that i agree And it would not surprise me at all to see him bounce back. I do think this is a big year for him and how we sort of assess the arc of his career. If this is another year where like he plays 60 games or something like that, I suddenly think we look at it differently and start to say, well, it's been three years in a row now derailed by injury for this guy. Yeah, but I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I think I think I give him the benefit of the doubt based on the fact that he was such an iron man at the start of his career. I will say,
5: selfishly, I was hoping you guys would be a little more concerned about Cap because, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still sold on him. As I said, his, his age, his completely unique skill set, the position eligibility is, is awesome in fantasy leagues. And when you look what he did under Chris Finch last year, it was very promising. After the All-Star break, he aver- his stats pretty much went up across the board. 26 points, 2.7 triples, uh, over 10 boards, almost five times a uh, steal and nearly a block, uh, or rather a block and nearly a steal per game. So, yeah, I'm with you. And Matt, as you said, he finished the season healthy. He's got the whole offseason. Raf, uh, I'm glad you led with the fact that he had so many off-court problems that sort of fed into just yeah. a, a down year. So, uh, okay, looks like we're all optimistic that Cat will be bouncing back. And I, I might go even higher, Matt. You said the 7-8 to eight range. I think I might sneak him a couple spots higher than that.
1: All right, so we're not worried about Carl Anthony Towns especially, but let's try to find a first-round player we are worried about or two, and that leads us to my first question. So not counting the obvious, which it, to me, the most obvious is Kawhi Leonard because we don't even know when he'll be back. But who worries you? Among last year's first-round guys, the guys who produced in, in the first-round range last year, who worries you the most, and why, Raph? Why don't you lead it off? And feel free to name more than one name here if you have more than one.
4: I think the obvious answer here is Joel Embiid. But I'm not gonna count Kyrie Thomas mm-hmm. like that. Come on, man. Like we, we don't need to really touch on that because of the the small sample okay. size there. But Embiid is the guy that I'm concerned with because of his medical history. Like, you know, Towns his medical history's been a bit recent. You know, Embiid's been having these issues since day one. He missed his first two full seasons due to foot injuries. And then he's missed significant time in each of the years since. Even if he does stay healthy, I think we all know that there are going to be some load management days worked in there. Um, How many remains to be seen. But, you know, you put that into consideration with the general nicks and bruises that can come up throughout the course of a season. I could see him missing an easy 15 games this season. So I would say that he would be the guy I'd be most worried worried about with regard to those first rounders.
5: I will say the nets big three all have asterisks next to them for me simply because of right the dmp issues and the fact that if one of them is out the nets can still win games and they what happened to them in the postseason is going to be fresh in their minds and they're going to be all about load management keeping them healthy for the postseason I think that's going to lead to a lot of precautionary rest, perhaps reduced minutes. Uh, and as we saw last year, like Kyrie Irving, more than happy to just walk away from the game for a couple weeks, come back, say what's right. up to his teammates. So that's just a strange sort of that's its own topic. Um, but, yeah, really just the Nets mindset with that big three, you know, per game, of course, they're still they've proven that they can all put up top 10 value on the same court. It's pretty amazing uh, by sacrificing parts of their game. They're just that good. But cumulatively, it does give me pause and makes a guy like Cat that much more appealing in that top half of the first round. Also, a player like Damian Lillard, who takes pride in the fact that he's played ninety-five of percent of his NBA games in right. his
1: career. You know, those are the things I look for as a fantasy GM with that valuable first pick. It also just makes Jokic just the runaway, oh, if, yeah. as if he wasn't already the <laughs> runaway top choice, which he was anyways. But just that durability factor for me. Yeah, I'll echo Embiid, no doubt. I mean, forget playing 70 games. This is a guy who still hasn't played 65 games in a season. Yikes. Uh His five year-by-year game totals, 31, 63, 64, 51, and 51. And granted, the last two seasons have been not 82 games, but you get the point. I mean, you cannot draft him even dreaming of 70 games. It's just, it's just not even on the radar. And I, I do want to ask a follow-up question, but I'll also say – Jimmy Butler is in this conversation for me. He was a top 5 guy last year on a per game basis but missed 20 games and obviously we know he has a long injury history. And the really interesting one is Kyrie Irving because Ryan you mentioned, I mean, beyond just injuries, he as you said, he's more than happy to just, you know, take off for a little while. But on a per game basis, he was absolutely fantastic last year. The number 3 player according to Basketball mm-hmm. Monster on a per game basis around 27 points, 5 boards, 6 dimes. 1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks, 2.8 threes, fantastic percentages. He shot better than 50 from the field, and I think 92 from the line. Low turnovers for a point guard. I am not a Kyrie Irving guy by any means in fantasy, but I do think it reaches a point where, where is Kyrie Irving a great value in fantasy? Even if you're expecting he missed 18 games last year, bake that into it. Raph, where does Kyrie Irving become a smart pick in a fantasy league i
4: think the latter portion of the first round like I, i'm not picking him top five um for the reasons that mm-hmm. you guys mentioned and i think kevin Durant's going to be even better like we saw what he did in the olympics you know what he did to close out the last season i just think he's yeah. going to keep rolling right on through and then you got the james harden factor he's going to be healthy so he's going to be that point guard for them you know Kyrie, obviously, Kyrie was able to get his playing off the ball as we saw last season. But yeah, I, I think I would rank him third amongst the Nets' big three with regard to fantasy
3: value.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. I do think Harden's the one I'm probably least worried about in terms of injuries or load management from this group. Would you agree with that, Ryan?
5: Yes. Yeah. In terms of concern and where I draft them, I'd probably go Harden, Durant, then Irving. And yeah, Kyrie just makes me nervous. I mean, I've drafted him in, in, even in recent years. But even in the second half of that first round, I feel like I am setting myself up for, for pain. Um, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the the per-game value is is hard to pass up. And he's also a guy with that name brand recognition. You could always draft him knowing that when he's on a bender, you could trade him for a first-round caliber guy but why bother um yeah i'd I'd pivot away and go with someone healthier go with someone maybe with promising upside who you could sneak in the late first because i don't think Kyrie falls past that right like to the point where he would actually be a value he's just not going to be there people people see his name they see the production per game and they draft him in the top 10 so he won't be on my teams
1: yeah and I feel the same way about Embiid. If Embiid was somehow fall to the top of the second round, I would yep. take him all day as a yep. second guy on my team and just say, you know what, I'm going to just expect 20 missed games here, but that's the second best guy on my team. And when he's in there, he's absolutely going to dominate. And I just hope that he's out there at, you know, in the fantasy playoffs. But we expect him to go in the first round. Therefore, it's not really worth it. Yeah. Would you guys take Bradley Beal over Kyrie?
4: I probably would, to be honest with you even with the pieces that the Wizards added this offseason, guys like Kyle Mm -hmm. Kuzma, uh, Contavious, Caldwell-Pope, who are going to get shots. There's no denying that Bradley Beal is the guy who that system runs through. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think I would definitely take him over Kyrie personally.
1: Yeah, I think I would too. Just the volume and durability combo there is hard to pass up. Yeah. Okay, we have three more questions to come, but first we're going to take a very quick break. For the first time in history, the two biggest sporting events on the planet unite with the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics on NBC this February. Go to NBCSports.com slash once in a lifetime for a chance to win a once in a lifetime VIP experience of your choice. No purchase is necessary. Void where prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. This ends February 4th and is subject to official rules. Three questions and answers to go. Raf, let's go to your second question, number four on our list.
4: Let's talk noodles, guys, um, as in Mikhail Bridges. Um, <laughs> he finished in the top 50 for the first time in his career this past season, and I'm wondering, is he on his way to being a consistent top 50 player, or do we expect some sort of a drop in production this coming season?
1: <laughs> so here's what I how I look at it. I think that Bridges is – I would fully expect him to fall into that top fifty. When we're looking at basketball monsters rankings at the end of the year or, or Yahoo's season ending rankings, wherever you're looking on a per game basis, I'm expecting him to repeat that. Like that seems sustainable to me. When you look at his numbers, you know, 13 and a half points, four boards, a couple assists, a steal, a block, two threes, good percentages, great percentages, fifty-four from the field, 84 from the line, less than one turnover per game. I think that's sustainable. He can maybe improve on it a little bit. But what that is, what that stat line is, it's it's like a masterpiece of not hurting you anywhere. There's not one category in there where you say, man, Mikel Bridges won me that category this week. You just say, this is a solid guy across the board who doesn't hurt me anywhere. And that's a nice guy to have on your team. My issue is, as much as I like him, am I going to feel great about that being the fourth best guy on my fantasy team? If, it, if it's a fourth round price tag to draft Bridges, am I going to feel good about that at the end of the day? I think I lean toward no. I would rather... Take someone with more volume uh, who has flaws elsewhere, like more turnovers or worse shooting or something like that. So, like, just I just took a look at some guys who were ranked near Bridges last season, who I would probably prefer, like Chris Middleton, Terry Rozier, Lonzo Ball, just to name a few guys who I think I'd rather have. And not to say that's an exact reflection of like what ADPs will be or where I'll rank those guys, but that's just kind of a, a quick brainstorm of guys I'd rather have than Bridges if we're talking like a fourth round pick.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, Matt. I think. The quality of talent that's still on the board and that unknown upside sort of aspect will be too tempting that I'm not going towards Bridges for exactly the reason you said. I mean, he's 24 years old. Can he get better? Of course. His usage rate last year was under 15%. That can definitely go up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it seems like at this point, at least, he's still mostly a catch and shoot and slashing cutter off ball kind of guy. Not really going to be asked to have high usage, right? That's not his role. They don't need him to, and and look at the success they had with him playing that glue guy role, which speaks exactly to his fantasy strengths, but also potentially a deficit. Uh, you said it perfectly that he's pristine for roto, where he just doesn't hurt you anywhere. the The low turnovers, the elite percentages across the board stats, and yet, I you know, I'd be hesitant in head to head for that very reason. He's not going to win you categories. Uh, so you you kind of stole all my talking points, but they were good ones. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, he he comes off as a high floor, low ceiling kind of player to me. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And even his rookie year, I think he finished just outside of the top 109 cat, And he wasn't anywhere near the player that he is at this point in his career, even though he's just a couple years removed from that. So I think I fall in line with what Matt said about, maybe going with some guys who may be more of a home run swing, so to speak, Uh, in terms of their production. They may hurt you in a category or two, but they can potentially give you a lot more in some of those big stat categories. But, um, yeah, I think Bridges, I think he's going to be a guy who gets picked like the fifth and sixth rounds in a lot of leagues, but he may end up giving you like a fourth round type production at season's end because he really doesn't blow you off the pitch, out of the water, so to speak.
1: Now, I do think it's a different, a slightly different conversation if we're talking about bridges going in like the sixth round, or yeah. if there's a, a league that I can get him in like the seventh round. You know, where oh, it's yeah. it may be slightly less competitive or whatever. Then it becomes different for me, and I and I would strongly consider it. I just think if we're talking about if you have to take him based on where he produced last year, and that's how it's going to fall, right. then I think I'm out. Mm-hmm. But sixth, seventh round, I'm starting to get intrigued, even in a head-to-head league. Uh, We close the book on that one, Raph. Oh, Ryan, your second and final question, burning question of the day, is dot, dot, dot.
5: Is. I was wondering about among last year's rookies, so guys entering their second NBA season, players who struggled maybe to produce reliable fantasy value, who do you guys see taking the biggest leaps? Uh, Now, in many cases, this is kind of apples to oranges comparisons. But for instance, I'm excited about Jaden McDaniels with Minnesota. Uh, I know our colleague Jonas is on board. He wrote about that in a a draft guide preview column. And, you know, a player like James Wiseman really struggled last year. Do you see any daylight for him? Uh, Maybe one of OKC's young guys. We know they're going to get minutes. uh, Theo Maladon, uh, Alexei Pokosevsky. Anyone jumping out who struggled last year but might be ready to take
1: a leap this year? Raf, do you want to take the first swing at this one?
4: Yeah. I don't know if I'd classify this guy as struggling. Because, you know, he was caught behind two point guards in Toronto's rotation. But I think Malachi Flynn is a guy that I'm really looking at potentially grab. I don't know if he'll be available in late rounds in deep leagues. But standard leagues, I think you may be able to get him there. And that's where I think I'm going to try to pounce. Because no Kyle Lowry. Uh, I know they got mm-hmm. Goran Dragic in that sign and trade. But I think they're going to continue to bring Dragic off the bench as they did in Miami. And even then, he didn't sound too thrilled with heading up to Toronto when that deal happened. Right. That (laughs) they kind of talked some things out, I guess. But we'll see what happens if he ultimately stays in Toronto or, or winds up in Dallas like he wanted to or somewhere else. But I think Malachi Flynn is a guy that I really think is going to take a big step forward in terms of fantasy value, especially if Nick Nurse sticks with the idea of playing two point guards together, as he did so much with Lowry and Van Vliet.
1: Yeah, Miami to Toronto is a shock to the system when it comes to weather. For one, <laughs> if you're Goran Dragic, I think that's interesting. And I, and I, the Malachi Flynn thing, the fact that the Raptors passed on Jalen Suggs, I think gives Malachi Flynn even more additional fantasy juice. I would say, you know, Scotty Barnes, a totally different position. So I'm fascinated by Malachi Flynn. If if Nick Nurse wants to stick with his two point guard backcourt because we saw what he can do just when he gets minutes. So I'm excited to hear that you think that name is still on the radar. As for the other names you threw out there, Ryan, I think we all agree on, I certainly agree on the Jaden McDaniels Hmm. excitement. I think I'm a no on Wiseman. I guess if he's there late, I'm okay to take a flyer just because he could get blocks, but it just seems like he's going to have so little margin for error in that rotation with the team that is trying to win. I don't think I'm interested in Maladone again because of the presence of Josh Giddy and how early they took him. I do think Pokashevsky is on my radar as a guy who, you know, we had hopes for last year. We were certainly too early. I mean, he was a complete disaster in percentages, <laughs> but we all saw the potential there. So that would be a guy I'm watching, a guy who maybe could progress a lot in one offseason. He'll probably still be a disaster in percentages, but I could definitely see myself <laughs> taking a flyer on Pokashevsky in a number of leagues.
5: Yeah, potential flyer there. Um, you know, Taya Maladon was also percentages disaster. So two guys I'll be mm-hmm. hesitant to pursue. And I'm with you on Wiseman. I, I'm i not eager to get him on my team. And in fact, the last thing that we wrote about him uh, on the site was a blurb that I wrote about, uh, where Steve Kerr preached patience regarding James Wiseman's development, saying he'll have a chance to play more if he's ready to help us win games. And if not, that's fine. We will keep developing him. Those are not the quotes you want to hear for a guy you're, <laughs> uh, you're hoping will take a leap forward. So, yeah, he's he's well off my board. Um, the only other guy I'll, I'll mention, maybe Tyrese Maxey, looks somewhat promising, especially depending what happens with the mm-hmm. Ben Simmons trade. Uh, and then Desmond Bain for, for Memphis, I think, is going to be a sneaky value. There's a little bit more room for him to operate this year, and he was really
1: sneaky good last year, so a name to keep in mind yeah i I like that desmond bain call as well so my second question and i think it's our last uh last question of the day last of six i want to ask you guys who are a few players so we talked about first round guys are worried about let's go with the flip side of that who are a few players that you see potentially making a leap into first round range this season guys who didn't record first round value last year feel free again to name more than one name raf why don't you lead this one off
4: I'm going to start with a guy I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, It's Fred Van Vliet, you know, Mr. (laughs) Bet on Yourself. Uh, I think he finished with second-round value in 9-cat last season. No Kyle Lowry. There have been questions about Pascal Siakam's future in Toronto. I think they're just going to hand Fred the keys to the entire operation, um, let him lead. He's definitely capable of doing that. And I think he's in for a big year in Toronto. You know, you get back into that routine of being in your actual home city. I think that's going to help a lot of those guys. Like I said, we'll see what happens with Siakam. I think he'll ultimately stay there. But Fred Van Vliet is the guy that I think can jump up and and give you first round value. Like I wouldn't take him in the first round, but I think if you take him in the second or third, you could end up profiting quite nicely there.
5: He was second round value, as you said, and he shot under thirty nine percent from the field. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean it wouldn't take much uh, mm-hmm. slight bump in efficiency, and he's right there. That's a good one. I'll say, you know, this one seems almost too easy, perhaps, but I'm going to go with Jason Tatum, who was outside of the first round last year, but he was slowed by COVID. Uh, you know, missed some time and just had a huge stretch where he was dealing with what seemed like the the tail of COVID and talked about respiratory issues. Uh we didn't quite see the huge jump that we expected after what he did in the bubble. I think it's coming this year. Uh Boston needs more playmaking. They need, you know, and even Coach Ime Oduka has talked about uh Tatum and Brown filling those roles. So I, I I expect growth from him. Uh I'll also say Michael Porter Jr., I think was a huge, you know. Steve, shout out, Dr. A, shout out. Yeah, yeah, Steve. Steve's ears just perked up. Um <laughs> He, took a, he did take a huge leap last season. And still, even though we tried our best to hype him up and, and get people to draft him early, uh, his ADP was still, I think, 30 spots below where he finished. So he was a huge value. And I think you know the best is yet to come. We saw his extreme efficiency. He's durable. He can rebound the ball. He can shoot from range, uh, can kind of do it all. So I'm loving him. And then it, is there time for one
1: more or should I stop there? No, sorry. Yeah, go ahead.
5: <laughs> uh, the, the last guy, this is the dark horse, riskiest of the three perhaps, but I'm going to mention DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, new
1: new coach. What, what's up, Matt? You took mine. Go ahead. <laughs> oh well, well, no, I'll stop there. Have, have at it. Take it away no 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 do your thing do your thing i'll add to it well just that
5: you know new coach so we don't know but what he did down the stretch last season was remarkable uh, i think it was post break yes. or last last two months he averaged 23 points 14 boards 11 dimes 1.8 steals shot 62 percent from the field and over a three I, those numbers speak for themselves
1: yeah uh, okay so sabonis is gonna be my third one but since you just did it i'll, I'll jump in with a couple more thoughts on that so Age twenty five season this year, and and I just was looking at like his progression year over year. So in terms of points per game, just rounding off, he's gone from twelve to fourteen to eighteen to twenty the last four seasons. In rebounds, he's gone from eight to nine to twelve to twelve, so he's kind of stabilized there. Assists have gone from two to three to five to seven. So there's an argument to be made that this guy is steadily improving every year. As you said, Ryan, that last. Nine games. Is that what you cited? I think it was like the last month. 23, 14, and 11. Yeah, May, basically. So I just think he could be Jokic Light this upcoming season. And uh, yeah, the coaching change, I guess, is a question, but you got to think that Rick Carlisle probably knows what to do with a versatile guy like this. So yeah, I'm very high on Sabonis. I want, can I have like six picks in the second round this year? There are so many guys <laughs> I'm excited about. Fred Van Vliet is another one I absolutely love. I had him on. A bunch of teams last year got him around like the 25 range. I don't think it's going to be so easy to get him there that late this year. Just adding one more, Paul George, who was 24th in nine category leagues last year. Yeah, I wanted to hop back in. Oh, you wanted to go? Yeah, so go ahead. I wanted
4: to hop back in on Paul, and yeah, that, that's a great. Go for because it because the Kawhi Leonard factor. We don't know when he's going to be back. If he's going to play at all next season. Obviously, I think Terrence Mann, we're not talking about him with regards to first-round value, but his profile is going to improve. But Paul George becomes that unquestioned top option for the Clippers, and so long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be in for a big year because of how well he played in the playoffs. I know we gave him some heat on, on this podcast a bit, but he certainly rebounded and gained his respect, so to speak, so gained it regained his respect i should say so um i think he's going to be a guy that can end up being a first rounder in terms of value this season as well
1: Take your call. yeah agreed and those playoff numbers that you alluded to around 27 points nearly 10 rebounds and five and a half assists so just a monster season i think is in store for paul george ryan did you have something out there
5: no, I, I like that call. I wish that I had pulled up PG's splits without Kawhi. But, I mean, we could use what he did in the postseason as a proxy for that. Point being, it's going to be pretty gaudy. And he's a player who I feel like the the bloom is off a little bit, right? It's not It's not like super exciting to draft Paul George number 14 in your draft. Yep. But that could be value. So that's that's. I'm glad that you mentioned him.
1: Also, I'm still getting used to uh, Celtics coach Ime Udoka. I want, every time I hear that, my ears like perk up. I got to... <laughs> I got to get that into my mind.
5: I had to mentally, that's when I have to like mentally check. Like, am I about to say the right name? Yep, it's Imaudoga.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, that is the end of our list of six burning questions for the month of August. I think that we will probably come back and do this at some point in September. So, Before we go, just want to say don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back here on Monday. In the meantime, thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live with us on YouTube. Ryan, Raph, thanks to both of you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
2: This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at The Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever
0: attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?